This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Land prices have advanced substantially over the past few years. Now, interest rates and input prices are on the rise. What impact is that having on the current land market? Are we at a price plateau? Is this the time to be a buyer or a seller? It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've used Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. Now, that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to a better nitrogen. Contact your local sales representative or learn more at pivotbio.com. Rising interest rates are certainly making headlines these days. The moves are one of the tools the Fed is using to try to manage inflation. What impact are those moves having on long-term purchases such as land? Jason Burbage, president of National Land Realty, is our guest this week. His company works with many buyers and sellers of farmland all across the country. I wanted to get his perspective on any changes he has seen in the market and where we might be headed. Is this the time to be a buyer, a seller, or simply on the sidelines? Any of those answers may be the right one. Here's his perspective. Jason Burbage joins me. He is the president of National Land Realty. Jason, I know that you are down in the Carolinas, so hopefully you survived that hurricane without too much trouble down there. I'm also interested just about your your company, National Land Realty. Perhaps you just want to begin by talking about uh, where you are located and who all you serve uh, with that business. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Uh, We're headquartered in Greenville, South Carolina. So we're away from the coast and uh, really didn't get much of anything from the storm. Fortunately, outside of a lot of rain, uh, our coastline got hammered pretty badly and a lot of folks experienced a lot of flooding down there. So um, not as bad as Florida, but we're, we're thankful nonetheless. So it's, it's back to normal for us from that perspective. We do have a, an office down in Charleston and, and um, those guys down there fared, fared pretty well. To. And what we do is we're a, uh, a real estate brokerage company and we specialize in primarily rural properties as well as some uh, commercial development type deals, residential development, et cetera. Uh, we do some work in the solar field too, but the nuts and the bolts of what we do in the core aspect of things is uh, rural land sales. Uh, and that can range from someone who's looking to buy a little homestead few acres to build to build the build a farm on um, or, or a private residence up to uh, recreational farmland uh, investment type properties timberland um, uh, you name it uh, around the country and we're in 40 states around the country uh, we've got a heavy presence in the southeast uh, and in the midwest all the way out to california so obviously farmland values have gone up over the past few years and you may want to talk about how far you think we've advanced but 
you know, certainly we're in a time now with higher interest rates. What are you seeing as as we move forward? Do we continue at the pace that we've been going? Do we simply slow the pace? Do we plateau? What are you experiencing now and what are you looking at as we go forward? Well, thankfully, I'm going to use the word thankfully, we are seeing a plateau begin to happen. We're seeing this pace slow down. The past two years have, has it's really been quite an anomaly. Um, and it, and it's, you can, you can put it right square on COVID, uh, and the reactions that were put in place as a result of the pandemic, um, affecting the whole country. Um, so it, 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 it did some things that we, that we didn't expect. I mean, going back and I'm gonna go back to 2020 just to kind of set the perspective of it all. Uh, in the first part of 2020, especially around March, when things really got serious, um, we didn't know we didn't really know what was going to happen, and the markets reflected that um, the commodities markets, the farmland markets, etc. And it wasn't until about this time um, in 2020 that we really saw things strengthening and starting to pick up, and moving into 2021, things just took off. Uh, and it was a combination of low interest rates, of course, but commodities pricing was strong, even though the input uh, input costs were were higher, much higher as a result of the pandemic. Um, folks weren't deterred by that. And a big part of that was because there was so little land available to purchase. And that's been the biggest challenge that we've seen since we've been in this in this seller's market that we've been in whether it's farmland or any other type of land, real estate, and you're in, you were seeing that in residential and commercial as well, listing inventory was incredibly low. And anytime you've got low listing inventory like that, it means you're in a seller's market and it means that costs are going to go, the, the values are going to go up as a result of that. So that's kind of what set the tone for everything. And then uh, this year, uh, things continued on. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect, although we, we were expecting at some point to see uh, what I call a market correction and that things start slowing down and starting and beginning to plateau. We saw the beginnings of that really in August. Uh, we saw commodities prices starting to come back down again. Uh, we obviously were seeing interest rates going up um, and all of those things are contributing to uh, what we are seeing as a plateau in values uh, where we're at right now. Talk about the mix of folks that are selling and buying. Were most of those sellers investors? Were they folks that had had the farmland for a long period of time? And then on the buying side, who were your buyers at this point? Because certainly we are at prices that are pretty strong in a lot of places. So were those farmers that were simply buying that to farm again? Or what were you seeing out there as far as that mix of buyer and seller? Sure. Um, the sellers predominantly are folks who are at a place where they're, you know, farming is not uh, owning land and farming. It is not a part of the, the model anymore. And usually that's a generational thing where the next generation is not interesting, interested in farming the land. They may keep it, and rent it. Uh, but if they do come on the market, it's because that's not even an option that they're interested in continuing at that point. So it's very much a generational aspect. Sometimes it is taking advantage of where the values are, but for uh, any type of, of farming operation, you, you typically rarely see them sell land unless it's because they're scaling the business back or they're getting out of the business altogether. So that's another thing that leads to the, 
the, the aspect of not as much land being on the market. As far as the buy side, there is investment and that is happening, but not on, but that's a smaller, a smaller fraction of who the buyers typically are. And those are existing farming operations who are, uh, have the capability and the cash on hand or the equity in their existing land to be able to, um, to acquire property when it comes on the market. And they're usually available. They're usually willing to buy it at whatever it takes because it's such a unique asset to be able to, to, to add to their portfolios. That's what I wanted to ask. Certainly, you know, we would say that farmland has advanced quite a bit, but for farmers that are in the business of farming and that property comes up for sale, that's pretty close to them. Some of them are setting on quite a bit of cash. So does this market remain resilient? Maybe it doesn't go up, but are you seeing it more of a plateau as a fa- as opposed to actually dropping back? Or what do you think uh, we'll see going forward? So in the, in the over the long haul, land has always been a safe investment. We may see some short run correction. So we may see some regression in values, but I don't expect that that's going to be any type of extended situation. Anytime you have a rapid run up in land values, there's good, there's typically going to be some type of correction, um, but that's not going to be over an extended period of time. So the long haul picture is values, farmland values will always be based on history, very safe and valuable investment from that standpoint. We may over, and I, I don't even want to speculate over what period of time, but in the short run, we may see some depreciation in value, but I don't expect that it would have any kind of significant effect uh, in the grand scheme of things. I'm curious, as you talk with potential buyers out there, certainly we've advanced you know, a significant amount of interest, and certainly that interest rate may go up yet before the end of this year. How much is that is entering into the conversations now? Because certainly it's going to cost more, at least in the in the short term, it looks like. Now, there's predictions that will go up and then we'll come back down on the other side fairly quickly. But just talk about the, the interest rate and how that's factoring in the conversations today. So interest rates play a role naturally. And on the larger transactions, and, and I, what I can tell you from a, from a big picture standpoint, for, for our business in general, um, have in, interest rates have impacted things, but typically they're where they're impacting um, sales are on more entry level type sales where the the borrower is borrowing the maximum amount available. Um, in in the agribusiness world, interest rates obviously play a factor into how much, what kind of purchasing power someone has. But typically, in what we were experiencing here in these past few years, when interest rates were so much lower, folks who could have put more cash into a deal weren't because the rates were so low. It's not that they didn't have it. They just chose not to because of how low the rates are. Now, they're just simply putting more cash into the deal as opposed to what they may have been doing um, here over the past couple of years when they were, when they were lower. So it's not drastically affecting the number of transactions that are happening. They're happening. It does take some buyers out of the market for sure. Um, but nothing to where it just causes some kind of, you know, just, um, catastrophic type of event. Um, and the big picture aspect of things, our interest rates are, are still really good. When you look back over, you know, the past 20 years, past 30 years, 
we still have very low rates. We're just comparing them to an all-time low of, of historical proportions. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, wow, these things have really gone up. Yes, they've gone up, but if you compare them to no different than how you would look at any type of uh, commodity value, land value over time, we're still in really good shape. Of course, every seller is different, but I'm interested in your perspective. If I'm somebody that maybe has invested in land or maybe I'm somebody that has inherited it, had it for a while, I've been renting it out, and now I'm hearing, okay, you know, maybe we're getting to a plateau, maybe interest rates have climbed and, and we may sit here for a while. Does that make me more interested in selling? Should I be thinking more about that? Or what? how are those conversations going on the selling side? You know, we've always advised folks whenever we see unique markets like this, if selling is something that makes sense, then you definitely want to consider doing that now because we don't know what next year is going to look like. Could it be better? Sure, it could be. But it's dangerous to, to ride and try to time things perfectly from that standpoint uh, because you could really miss out on an opportunity. And history has, has shown that time and time again. So anytime we're having discussions with folks about, you know, what their plans are for the property, if, it, it, if, if they're considering selling property and it's something that makes sense for them, you know, what we walk through with them is what are you going to do with whatever whatever profit you take out of that sale? What's the potential opportunity loss if you don't take advantage of selling now and knowing what we could potentially get now? Uh, so we encourage folks to, if, if that's something that's, that's on their mind, that they give really good consideration to. And of course, our role in that is providing them with as much information and knowledge as possible to help them make those decisions and um, and then go from there with it. Jason, of course, you cover a, a lot of uh, territory. I think you said 40 states. I'm interested in the mix then of the buying and selling taking place. Certainly, as you get to the high plains and west, we've had drought and in some cases extended drought. Has that affected the pasture land market even more than regular farmland? Or what do you see uh, just with that mix of drought and pasture out there in some locations? So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects values because it's certainly not helping things in the short run uh, with what the operators are having to deal with out there. It's affecting how they do business. And so, um, again, keep in mind, values are driven by the supply and uh, and how easy it is to acqu to acquire more of something. So if the drought continues if uh, the other factors that are affecting this, the, the, the markets in general, uh, as far as demand for beef, et cetera, um, it could come, it could, what, what that could lead to is more land coming on the market, more pasture land coming on the market. Uh, the more pasture land that's on the market is going to, is going to impact where the values are with that. So the potential is that there could be some negative effects from that, especially if we start seeing operators getting out uh, of the business. Um, but there's really a lot of unknown with that right now. It's just something to really pay attention to. And it's, you know, we started this, this, uh, conversation off talking about a hurricane and the reality of it is, is that the weather has effect on lots of things, uh, all around the country and natural, uh, disasters like hurricanes and droughts and that kind of stuff certainly play in to, uh, what can happen in a market over a short period of time and sometimes a longer period of time. But I want to, I do want to come back to the fact that, that it, 
it impacts what folks do in, in, in the immediate time. As far as uh, looking at land as an investment, especially when you're comparing it to other types of investment opportunities that are out there from the historical aspect, uh, it still is very stable. And the cool thing about this is you can go back and look at uh, a 50 year history of land value and, and, and you can focus specifically on farmland value. And the USDA does a great job of tracking this information and you can see where the blips are. You can see where the dips are and you can typically associate some type of event with that that, cause, that causes it. And then you see things go back up over a period of time. So um, it's a fascinating thing to study. Obviously, if you're in the middle of it, um, especially if it's negative, it's not, not so much. But, um, but it's, it's certainly interesting to take a look at. You mentioned the the blips in the market, and I know that it's how can you ever predict? But certainly, if you go back to the '80s, we remember a market that went up pretty significantly. Interest rates went up dramatically, and then land values, at probably at best, you know, held at a plateau, and and really probably slid backwards. And it took us a while to get out of that. Is there really any reason, though, to think that that's where we're headed? I mean, certainly we don't have the interest rates we had in the 80s. Uh, where we sit now, the commodity prices, while input prices are still high, uh, commodity prices are still leaving some margin there. Any reason if I'm a buyer and a farmer out there to have concern? Or what do you hear in the conversations that uh, you're you're having with folks out there? I think it's, I think it's prudent to have concern. I mean, I think that if you... If you look at situations and without doing proper research and really being as informed as possible, and, and most importantly, doing it from an unbiased perspective, meaning that it's easy when we're looking to find an answer to something to go and search for the answers that we want to see. Um, and that's that's where you know cognitive cognitive bias comes into play that can really screw things up for us. So I think that concern is important. Um, and Comparing what we're looking at now versus what happened in the 80s, um, there are lots of factors that you just mentioned that would lead you to believe that um, we shouldn't see anything extreme like we dealt with back then. And, and I'm in that camp. I don't think I think that I used the word correction earlier, and I think that we are going to see more of a correction and maybe uh, a short term uh, aspect of things being a lot more uncomfortable than we'd like for them to be. But I don't expect that this is going to be a, a drawn out effect um, because of, of the fact that we're not seeing a perfect storm of problems approach and that the interest rate rise that we're dealing with is, is controlled in that manner, you know, and it's purposeful to, because we've identified the inflationary issues we've been dealing with to try to get that under control. Um, so that all means this, that there's, there, there will be some, some pain in the short run and different folks are going to experience it in different ways. But if I'm an investor and I'm a buyer and I have an opportunity and especially I, this is the most important thing to also consider in areas where opportunities don't come along very often, you have to really consider about the long run as far as what you're looking for and, and really get determine what kind of value that plays into it. If you are a short-term investor, if you're looking to pick something up that you're not going to keep for very long, 
uh, that's a different answer because there is a lot of unknown there. Um, but if it's something that's going to factor into an operation that you've already got uh, and the opportunities there, folks are still pulling the trigger and we're still seeing that right now. Um, so I think that in the grand scheme of things, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay from that aspect and um, we'll be able to, to get through this and, and people will still be able to come out ahead in a lot of cases. Jason, before we run out of time, something you mentioned in your open with National Land Realty that you deal with solar, and I'm interested for you to talk a little bit more about that, specifically because I think a lot of us out in farm country are having opportunities to do things with solar, but yet there's a lot of unknowns, I think, for us out there. I'm just interested in how your company is working with solar and what you see out there for opportunities in in farm country. We see a lot of opportunity with solar and our role and what we've been doing is we've got a platform that allows us to be able to identify properties that are suitable for solar development. And then we have de- solar developers whom we work with to help identify properties so that they can then acquire them typically by lease, long-term lease, and then develop it into a solar farm. So um, with with the government incentives that are out there, the 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 fact that our country is 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 again in, in, in beginning to embrace more uh, alternative resources, um, we see this as a great opportunity to provide other options for landowners, especially in these scenarios where uh, we're talking about drought and that sort of thing, where um, if if it presents the right situation for a landowner, uh, if they're not interested in being an operator anymore, they're not interested in leasing their land to uh, for farming or for, for pasture land or whatever, especially if they're in the midst of, of various challenges that may be going on, it is certainly something to consider. And it, it, it has propensity to be very secure. The unknown with it is what happens, you know, at the end of a 30 year lease, what happens next? And um, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, we don't know, of course, what what it's going to look like when uh, 30 years from now and, and these uh, leases are coming up. Are they going to be renewed? What's going to happen next? What what the, what do the solar fields continue to look like? Although my my feeling is that that the whole aspect of solar development uh, and renewable energy is going to continue to evolve for the better and grow for the better. So. Um, and my my opinion with all this is that it is a great alternative and will continue to have long term benefits as long as it's done right and long as it's, and as long as it's not misused. Uh, so it's a fascinating um, it's a fascinating industry. Uh, we've certainly enjoyed being a part of it and helping identify those properties that that. Uh, make great fits for the, for this type of opportunity that's out there and, and creating additional income for our clients. Jason, we've covered a, a lot of ground for those that have been listening, and maybe it's about solar that we just covered or other aspects. How do they find out more about uh, what you all do or just more information about uh, all that uh, you do out there? Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the simplest thing is to go to nationalland.com. And that's the best place to start. And uh, then you can go from there with it. Um, and uh, we'd be happy to, to, uh, to be able to help in any way we can. 
Well, and it sounds like to recap that even though uh, certainly times are always changing and perhaps while land values are and maybe heading towards a plateau, it sounds like you're still pretty optimistic about agriculture and farming and uh, what we have moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just important to remember that life is always going to throw throw us a lot of unknowns and uncertainties. Uh, we're, we're pretty resilient in the grand scheme of things and, and we're pretty good at adapting and and. Uh, taking the steps necessary to, to, to move, keep moving forward when it's all said and done. And that's where I see us today. Jason, I appreciate the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. That's it for this week's show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. If you've not done so already, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We're always using those social media platforms to share more information, pictures, and videos during the week. I hope you'll connect with us. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.